Hey there. We've talked on this show about how private equity investors have been aggressively moving into American healthcare. They are credited with, among other things, pioneering surprise billing as a business model. And a lot of doctors do not like working for private equity. Here's Dr. Lisa Moreno. She's an ER doc, a professor of emergency medicine, and immediate past president of the American Academy of Emergency Medicine. A doctor takes a Hippocratic oath, and our duty is to do the right thing for every patient, every time. That is what we swear to do. Corporations, on the other hand, have a fiduciary duty to make money for their shareholders and, of course, to make big salaries for the people that run the corporations. You can see how there could be a conflict there. The doctor thinks you need to be seen for longer. The corporation wants the doc to move on to the next person. And you might think, shouldn't there be laws against corporations having the last word in those kinds of conflicts? And in a lot of states, there are laws against non-doctors telling doctors what to do for profit. They are called laws against the corporate practice of medicine. But who exactly is supposed to enforce those laws and how? Dr. Lisa Moreno and her colleagues at the American Academy of Emergency Medicine have decided they're going to take a stab at it. They are suing a private equity-backed company called Envision, and they're asking a judge to kick Envision out of the business of telling emergency room doctors what to do at least in California. And the judge says they may have a case. This is An Arm and a Leg, a show about why healthcare costs so freaking much and what we can maybe do about it. I'm Dan Weissman. I'm a reporter and I like a challenge. So my job on this show is to take one of the most enraging, terrifying, depressing parts of American life and bring you a show that's entertaining, empowering, and useful. And along with our producer, Emily Pisacreta, I've been following the story for months. Honestly, I have so many tabs open right now. <laughs> Emily, you talked with Dr. Lisa Moreno earlier this spring. And one thing that came up was, why hasn't anybody done this before? Yeah, she said her group has been interested for a while. She says they hear from doctors all the time that docs get threatened with punishment, like losing shifts for ordering treatment for people who are uninsured. Or for refusing to admit people who have good insurance. Or for just insisting to their boss, like, hey, we're understaffed. It's not safe for our patients. And Dr. Marino says doctors in these situations don't have a lot of rights. She says they often have to sign contracts that say their employment is at will. They can be fired at any time for no reason. And she said these contracts often have non-compete restrictions, meaning the doctor can't practice anywhere near the place where they got fired from, which is a high-pressure situation. We've had cases like this. A doctor and his wife was an attorney, and she was a partner in her firm, and she was like, I can't move 200 miles away. They had three children that were in school that didn't want to leave their friends. A lot of doctors don't speak up. They don't want to take the risk. But people do get fired, she says, for doing the right thing by patients. We saw this happen multiple times going over like two decades. And we would defend the physician. And then the company says, how about we settle this out of court? They'll offer a physician who now has been out of work for maybe two years, has a mortgage, has medical school loans, has children to support. They offer them a cash settlement. And the physician says, OK, I'll take it. We understand that. But the problem that comes up is when that happens, we don't get a court ruling. And that means there's no precedent, no legal opinion that the next doctor could point to. Nothing to build on. 
But then, last fall, she learned that Envision was taking over the job of managing emergency room doctors at a hospital in Southern California, in Orange County, about nine miles northeast of Disneyland. And when Dr. Lisa Moreno heard about that, her reaction was not exactly what you might expect. I was thrilled. And she was thrilled because of who Envision took that job over from. It was from a practice management service run by the American Academy of Emergency Medicine, her own outfit. This is the first time that AAEM itself has standing, legal standing in a lawsuit. That is, when you bring a lawsuit, you're basically telling the court, hey, this person screwed me. Make them fix it. In earlier cases, it was individual doctors who were getting screwed. That's who had standing. It was up to the individual doctor to bring a lawsuit or to settle. In this case, the American Academy of Emergency Medicine itself is getting screwed. It got screwed out of the contract to help run that ER near Disneyland. So our attorneys were quite happy. They said, here's a case where AAEM can actually bring the lawsuit. And she was happy. Thrilled even. And I was thrilled that we would have an opportunity to stand up for physicians. I was also terrified. I was terrified because I realized how much money this was going to cost. I mean, you're talking about suing a company that has effectively unlimited funds to defend itself. Lawyers for Dr. Marino's group tell her it's going to cost $2 million and more if the case goes to appeal. This is spending everything that we have in the bank. We are putting everything that we have on the line for what we stand for. If they win, they're asking the judge to make the other side pay their attorney fees. But otherwise, they're actually not asking for money at all. Which, Dr. Moreno says, is an important part of her group's strategy. When you seek monetary damages, you give the defendant the opportunity to settle out of court. We are not giving Envision the opportunity to settle out of court. What we are saying is Envision has broken the law, they are illegally practicing medicine. There is no amount of money that is going to fix that problem. So because of the fact that they cannot settle with us out of court because we seek no money, no monetary damages, this case is going to be heard in court and there is going to be a ruling. That's the idea. Dr. Moreno's group filed their lawsuit in December, and at the end of May, they scored an early victory. If you get sued, one early thing you can do is to file what's called a motion to dismiss, saying there's no case here. You can bet Envision's lawyers did exactly that. There are hundreds of pages of motions and responses and counter responses. And one of the big points that Envision's attorneys made was, whoa there, hey, you got us mistaken for somebody else. We don't own any medical practices. That would be illegal. The entity that won that contract with the hospital near Disneyland, that's owned by a doctor. I mean, maybe we've got business dealings with that doctor, but we don't own a medical practice. We don't tell doctors what to do. And that line of argument helps explain why, even though laws against the corporate practice of medicine exist in lots of places, they haven't stopped big companies from, well, employing a lot of doctors. Erin Fusay-Brown is a law professor at Georgia State University, and she studies private equity's role in healthcare. Any sort of relatively sophisticated entity or physician group will know about the corporate practice prohibition, just contract around it. Contract around it. Build a kind of, I don't know, like a paper firewall. The law says 
Corporations shall not employ physicians. So they said, fine, the corporation will not employ the physician. The corporation will run a management company and the management company will just contract with the physician practice to provide all the management services and will arrange a fee schedule, et cetera, et cetera. Which is why when a judge ruled against Envision in late May, allowing the lawsuit to go forward was kind of a big deal because that ruling said all that, et cetera, et cetera, all that contracting around, that's a bunch of bullshit. Envision, you own this medical practice. And if your practice does the things that Dr. Moreno's group alleges in their complaint, then you are practicing medicine and breaking the law. And that complaint is alleging a lot of things. Oh, it's a lot of things, right? Like it's like telling them how to negotiate with managed care plans, billing on their behalf, weighing in on hiring decisions of physicians and clinical staff like nurses and PAs. And making doctors subject to those non-competes where if they quit or got canned, they and their families would have to move. And it's like, that is the model for these private equity-backed physician practices. It's like They roll up their sleeves and they get very heavily involved in the management of the, that sort of day-to-day stuff. And the court here seems to be saying, yeah, if Dr. Moreno's group can prove that's happening, that would be the corporate practice of medicine. Not okay. And so it's kind of a shot across the bow. A shot across the bow. What happens next? That's right after this. This episode of An Arm and a Leg is produced in partnership with Kaiser Health News. That's a nonprofit newsroom covering healthcare in America. KHN is not affiliated with the big healthcare outfit, Kaiser Permanente. We'll have some more information about Kaiser Health News at the end of this episode. So, a judge has ruled that this lawsuit against Envision can go forward. Yep. And by the way, we did reach out to Envision for this story. They said they don't comment on pending litigation. So, what do we know about what's next? Well, Dr. Moreno's group has to actually win that lawsuit. And then she admits that's just one lawsuit with a limited scope. So the only thing we are going to get out of this lawsuit is that Envision and Envision alone does not have the right to practice medicine in the state of California and the state of California alone. And Envision is not the only private equity backed group in this business. She names a couple of others. Team Health can practice in California. Schumacher can practice in California because the only thing the lawsuit says is if we win, that Envision cannot practice in California. And Envision can continue to practice in Tennessee and Envision can continue to practice in Florida, et cetera, et cetera. But winning this lawsuit would allow Dr. Moreno's group or others to bring similar lawsuits against other companies in California, against companies in other states. She hopes that's exactly what's next. And what happens is when you gain that momentum and the federal government starts to see that these lawsuits are popping up all over the place, then often federal legislators will say, you know what, we need to propose a bill and bring that bill into law that's going to say that in the United States, the corporate practice of medicine is not going to be tolerated. It is illegal. But that, she admits, is a long, long road, not to mention an expensive one. Remember, they're committing at least $2 million, which is everything they've got. And then you think about $2 million now to sue Schumacher in California, $2 million to sue Envision in Tennessee. It just goes on and on. She thinks it could take decades. And why is it up to Dr. Lisa Moreno and her colleagues to bring these lawsuits anyway? 
Why isn't the government enforcing its own laws? Where is the enforcement? Why hasn't there been enforcement as these companies have taken over such a broad swath of the industry? That is a journalistic hero of mine. I'm Gretchen Morganson. I'm the senior financial reporter for the investigations unit at NBC News. Before NBC, she was at The New York Times and The Wall Street Journal. She's been covering the U.S. economy's biggest sharks for decades, including but not limited to the financial industry before, during and after the 2008 financial crisis. And she has been following private equity's role in medicine for a couple of years now. Yeah. And her reporting alerted us to this lawsuit against Envision in the first place. Gretchen thinks this lawsuit could be an example of how individual states may not have the capacity to police a company like this. And she says the judge touched on this issue when he allowed the case to go forward. One thing that I found very interesting about this was the discussion about why California, as a state that does have a corporate practice of medicine law, has not gone after these situations. Because Envision was arguing, Judge, don't bother with this. You can let state authorities handle this issue. There was quite a lengthy discussion uh, by the judge in which said, you know, perhaps the state can't go after um, these entities. They don't have the bandwidth. They don't have the manpower, basically. And then she tells me a story about a state that did try to enforce its corporate practice of medicine ban with super underwhelming results. In 2016, New York's attorney general sued a company called Aspen Dental for the corporate practice of medicine, and not just practicing. The company was directing dentists to, you know, make decisions on care. They were pushing products. Pushing products, telling patients they needed things that they didn't. In the end, they settled. Aspen didn't admit wrongdoing, but it did pay a fine. The settlement was like less than half a million dollars. I mean, it was not even probably what the company pays for postage. Dan, I don't know about postage, but I can tell you that Aspen Dental paid just its owners $85 million in dividends in 2018 alone. Ask me where I found that out. Where'd you find that out? Well, it's in a report from a watchdog group called the Private Equity Stakeholders Project. The report is called Deceptive Marketing, Medicaid Fraud, and Root Canals on Babies. Jesus, Root Canals on Babies? Two different companies accused of that, actually. Okay. Anyway, that was the New York State Attorney General. Gretchen says even when the feds have gotten involved, companies like Envision don't exactly face overwhelming consequences. She has written about a case where the feds accused an Envision subsidiary of taking kickbacks from a hospital. The accusation was ER docs were being told to admit patients to the hospital who did not need to be admitted because when a hospital admits a patient... They get a higher fee. Three times the fees, right? Someone comes into the emergency department. If you take them in and have them stay overnight for observation, you get three times the Medicare payments. In this case, the U.S. Department of Justice brought a lawsuit and settled for $29.8 million. And for context, before Envision went private in 2014, it reported profits of more than $556 million, 18 times as much. And Envision paid the fine, but did not admit any wrongdoing. They did have to sign a corporate integrity agreement promising not to do any more bad stuff. Mm-hmm, which expires at the end of this year. Right. And they didn't get barred from billing Medicare either. Well, I mean, how is Medicare supposed to do without the services of the 25,000 ER docs Envision employs? It reminded me of banks being considered too big to fail or to punish too hard after 2008. 
that's very similar to what you had in the 2008 financial crisis. You had many banks who agreed to pay fines, which, of course, their shareholders paid. It wasn't paid by the executives. In my impression, as someone who you know who wasn't on the beat, was it like these fines don't strike me as super meaningful um, to institutions of this scale? No, cost of doing business. Dan, you and Gretchen are starting to bum me out. Well, uh, Gretchen does not see this as entirely hopeless. I mean, we have already seen the uh, chairwoman of the FTC come out and say that they are going to be looking far more closely at private equity acquisitions and takeovers of companies than they have been in the past, and particularly in healthcare because it is life and death. Federal Trade Commission Chair Lena Khan used exactly those words, life and death, when the FTC held a listening forum with the Department of Justice in April about all kinds of mergers in healthcare, including private equity companies buying up ER staffing. They heard some hair-raising stories. Here's part of how Lena Khan summed up one of the day's big takeaways. Just the incredible variety of ways that firms with market power can use that power, right? And it becomes extremely difficult for enforcers to be able to police all of the subtle ways in which those firms are using their power in all sorts of anti-competitive ways, which I think makes it especially important for us to be stopping anti-competitive and illegal mergers on the front end. And this is not just talk. As we were writing the script for this episode, the FTC sued to stop a for-profit hospital company from taking over two of its biggest competitors in Utah. And it's not just the feds. Gretchen sent me the text of a bill that's getting considered in the California legislature right now. It is also intended to put the brakes on mergers and private equity buyouts in healthcare. Any transaction over 15 million bucks would need an okay from the state attorney general. And look, some changes do happen. As we've discussed on this show, one of the big strategies that private equity companies used to make money on emergency room docs was surprise billing taking all of their docs out of all the insurance networks and billing patients directly at sky-high rates. And this year, we are seeing the implementation of the No Surprises Act, which effectively bans that practice. Though it took a really long time for that to pass. And obviously, it leaves a lot of problems intact. True. We are not running out of material for this show anytime soon. But it's also worth remembering that the No Surprises Act was passed by a divided Congress, Democrats controlled the House and Republicans controlled the Senate in December 2020, which was a hyperpolarized moment during this hyperpolarized era. We are talking about the weeks between the November election and the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. I'm not saying our elected officials are all going to hold hands and do the right thing immediately or maybe ever. But that tiny example does make things seem not entirely hopeless. Yeah, here's how Dr. Lisa Moreno talks about the battle that she and her colleagues are waging with this lawsuit against Envision. How long the road is to whatever victory looks like. So I know that it may not happen even in my lifetime, that it may not happen for decades, but to me and to my colleagues, the fact that it's going to take a really long time is not an excuse to not take the first step. We have to take the first step because if we don't start, it's it will never happen. Amen to that. We'll catch you with our next episode in three weeks. Till then, take care of yourself.
This episode of An Arm and a Leg was produced by me, Emily Pizzocreta. And me, Dan Weissman, and edited by Marion Wang. Special thanks to Blake Farmer of Nashville Public Radio and to Eileen Applebaum of the Center for Economic and Policy Research. And Paul Starr, Princeton University professor and author of The Social Transformation of American Medicine, all of whom shared their expertise for this story. Daisy Rosario is our consulting managing producer. Anne Raimunda is our audio wizard. Our music is by Dave Weiner and Blue Dot Sessions. Gabrielle Healy is our managing editor for Audience. She edits the First Aid Kit newsletter. And B. Bosco is our consulting director of operations. This season of An Arm and a Leg is a co-production with Kaiser Health News. That's a nonprofit news service about healthcare in America, an editorially independent program of the Kaiser Family Foundation. KHN is not affiliated with Kaiser Permanente, the big healthcare outfit. They share an ancestor, the 20th century industrialist Henry J. Kaiser. You can learn more about him and Kaiser Health News at armandalegshow.com slash Kaiser. Diane Weber is national editor for broadcast at Kaiser Health News, and M. Marie Hutemann is a correspondent there. They are editorial liaisons to this show. Thanks to Public Narrative. That's a Chicago-based group that helps journalists and nonprofits tell better stories for serving as our fiscal sponsor, allowing us to accept tax-exempt donations. You can learn more about Public Narrative at www.publicnarrative.org. And those donations support this show. If you're not a donor yet, we'd love to have you. Come on by to www.armandlegshow.com slash support. Thank you.